Holy Father in heaven, thank you for another opportunity given to us to fellowship with you. And we also thank you for the privilege of life which we know that we do not deserve. We understand that it is not because we are righteous or holy or good that you have preserved us, but in your mercy and love, you've given us life. So we pray that this life given to us shall be used to the glory of your holy name. So as we fellowship with you now, please help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Grant us understanding through your spirit. And as for me, Lord, please put your words in my mouth that I may speak words of edification and blessings to your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, November 22 Just for one man And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. Acts chapter 8 verse 26 and 27 Notice how much effort was put forth for just one man, an Ethiopian. This Ethiopian was a man of good standing and of wide influence. God saw that when converted, he would give others the light he had received and would exert a strong influence in favor of the gospel. Angels of God were attending this seeker for light, and he was being drawn to the Savior. By the ministration of the Holy Spirit, the Lord brought him into touch with one who could lead him to the light. Philip was directed to go to the Ethiopian and explain to him the prophecy that he was reading. Go near, the Spirit said, and join thyself to this chariot. The man's heart thrilled with interest as the scriptures were explained to him, and when the disciple had finished, he was ready to accept the light given. He did not make his high worldly position an excuse for refusing the gospel. This Ethiopian represented a large class who needs to be taught by such missionaries as Philip, men who will hear the voice of God and go where he sends them. There are many who are reading the scriptures who cannot understand their true import. All over the world, men and women are looking wistfully to heaven. Prayers and tears and inquiries go up from souls longing for light, for grace, for the Holy Spirit. Many are on the verge of the kingdom, waiting only to be gathered in. An angel guided Philip to the one who was seeking for light and who was ready to receive the gospel. And today, angels will guide the footsteps of those workers who will allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify their tongues and refine and ennoble their hearts. He who sent Philip to the Ethiopian counselor, Peter to the Roman centurion, and the little Israelitish maiden to the help of Naaman, the Syrian captain, sends men and women and youth today as his representatives to those in need of divine help and guidance. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Just for One Man. 
The two characters involved are Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So, who is Philip? Philip is a man who was a deacon like Stephen. When we go to the book of Acts chapter 6, reading from verse 1, the Bible says to us, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. For we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Amen. So, that Philip mentioned there, along with Stephen, is this Philip that is that we're going to look at today. But one thing, before we even look at the lesson, one thing we need to understand is the organization of the church at the time and the roles that were played. Philip the evangelist, Philip the deacon. And we also see Stephen. Though he was a deacon, and I use the word though because we today have we have belittled the position of a deacon, not because we treat deacons wrongly, but because deacons themselves, people who are ordained to such positions, do not meet the standard of Stephen. I'm not saying all of them, but majority of, of the ones that I see, they do not meet the standard of Philip and Stephen. What was the criteria for choosing these deacons? The Bible says in Acts 6 verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men, first of all, honesty of honest report secondly full of the holy ghost and thirdly full of wisdom whom we may appoint for the business so if we also go further to the book of first timothy we see where paul was talking to timothy about ordaining people who will be serving as deacons in first timothy chapter 3 reading from verse 8 it says likewise must the deacons be grave that is serious they should not be jesters secondly he says not double-tongued they shouldn't tell lies not giving too much wine not greedy or filthy lucre they shouldn't be covetous going on he says holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience and let those also be first proved then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now we need to ask ourselves, Maybe you are an elder or a deacon listening to me. This is not to belittle you 
or any other person. But it is just for our own good that we need to rise up to the responsibility given to us. Look at the example before you of the first seven deacons ever, at least two of them, that is Stephen and Philip. One thing we see about them, while it is true that they were brought up for the management of things in that concern the church, but the criteria for bringing them there was character. They were supposed to be full of wisdom and of the Holy Ghost and honest people. And what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Galatians chapter two, chapter 5, reading from verse 22, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. These qualities must be found and even if you don't have them, you must be working towards having these characters. But then again, we are told that they must hold the mystery of our faith in a pure conscience. Just like Philip and Stephen, who was filled with the Holy Ghost, they should be mighty in words and doctrine. They should rightly divide the word of truth. They should be ready to preach when necessary and give the flock meat in due season. And it shouldn't be people who give them food that will not satisfy, who come to church and don't know their left from their right. They don't know what the scripture said. The deacons, according to what we read in the scriptures, must know their scriptures. They must know it well. Today, the office of the deacons has been reduced to a position for people who just carry plates in the church and receive offerings and give offerings and I mean count the offerings and go to the treasury and then take care of other things within the church while that is good in its place but that is not the only thing a deacon ought to do if that is all that is done then the office of the deacon is not meeting its responsibility further than that they are to be people who rightly divide the word of truth so that the Lord can commit to them work to be done. And then we also see how their family is to be. The, the deacon is to have just one wife and she is just to be like the deacon. It's not to be a jester, not a slanderer, not a gossip. And these are things that we should look forward to because we were told there in the book of Acts chapter 1 reading from verse 13 for they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus amen simply put you are securing for yourself a place in the kingdom of God if you use the office of a deacon well now that takes us to this matter of the one of the deacons called Philip. Philip was ordained as a deacon, but the Lord used him for a work that deacons today are to think about that look forward to that the Lord would also use them for such a position. He wasn't just someone who was seven tables, but he also was involved in the preaching of the word of God. In the book of Acts chapter 8, well, you see that we had already read in Acts 7 that the stoning of Stephen was done by the Jews. They killed him. But this led to something that would bring about a change in the gospel. The Christians now had to scatter all around the world because of the persecution. So they left Jerusalem. They were not only in Jerusalem, it says, Acts 8 verse 1, and Saul was consenting unto his death, that's to Stephen's death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. 
and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. Amen. Verse 4 then says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And one of these people is Philip. In verse 5 it says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip speak hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. By the way, in case you are wondering, why is this not Philip the Apostle? Remember that we just read earlier here in Acts chapter 8, reading from verse 1, that every one of them were scattered except the Apostle. So Philip was still in Jerusalem. But this Philip is Philip the deacon who went to Samaria. And verse 6 says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was a great joy in that city. Amen. So, here we see Philip being used by the Lord in Samaria. Wonderful thing. If we open ourselves to the Lord, that's a lesson for us now. If you would allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, the Lord has great works to, for you to do. Now in verse 26 it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch, of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb, before his sharer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Let me stop here. Do you remember this passage that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading? We talked about it, I believe, three devotions ago when we read Thomas the Doubter. This is part of the passages that, was, that Jesus would have used to educate the disciples of things concerning himself. This is from the book of Isaiah chapter 53 that talks about the persecution or the crucifixion of the Messiah. And this is exactly what this Ethiopian eunuch was reading. Certainly, Philip knew this passage so well because this was part of the passages they have been using to prove to people that Jesus is the Messiah. And here it is that this Ethiopian eunuch is reading that same passage and the Lord brought Philip close to him to break it down to him. Now in verse 34 it says, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him 
Jesus. Amen. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and, it's, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to, to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. So, what do we learn from this? We read from our devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 332, paragraph 5. This Ethiopian represented a large class who needs to be taught by such missionaries as Philip, men who will hear the voice of God and go where he sends them. There are many who are reading the scriptures who cannot understand their true import. All over the world, men and women are looking wistfully to heaven. Prayers and tears and inquiries go up from souls longing for light, for grace, for the Holy Spirit. Many are on the verge of the kingdom, waiting only to be gathered in. Amen. End of quote. And what was it that the Lord did to bring and gather these people, many like they are in the world today? They are, the Holy Spirit has already been working with them and he has taken them only so far. But then, there's only so much the Holy Spirit can do. God needs us to come into contact with people. The angels of the Lord are not going to come down from heaven to break down the word of God to humans for us to understand. God has committed this work to us. Not that God cannot do it, not that angels cannot do it, but God wants us to have the privilege of being co-laborers with him and it is a high privilege. He has left that work with us and there are many who are just seeds that are grown ready to be harvested. The Lord Jesus had already done the work. The Holy Spirit had already led this man to read in the book of Isaiah. God had done almost everything. All that was needed was the harvest. Just a little bit of some water to be poured on that growing tree so that the fruit will be brought forth. So Philip was sent to this Ethiopian. So also God wants to send us to many people scattered abroad. But if we are so busy with the things of this world, scrolling on social media but for no good and then we love to have our own convenience we don't want to leave our homes we want to lie down on our beds we want to always stay in our own comfort zone then you cannot be like philip you cannot be like stephen you cannot be a co-laborer with god the criteria is that we should be led by the spirit god needs missionaries as philip who will hear the voice of God and go where he sends them, regardless of how inconvenient, how discomforting it is, and regardless of the sacrifices that will be made while doing this. Because God will reward you and it's a very good thing to do. How much was God willing to do to save this Ethiopian eunuch? He did a lot. The Holy Spirit had so ordered it that he was in that passage. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and it was just for this one man that Philip was brought to this Ethiopian eunuch. Amen. The value of a soul is very important. Jesus would have died on the cross and I say, hear me, Jesus would have died on the cross even if it was just one soul that needed to be saved. Lift him up, page 242, paragraph 5 says, the followers of Christ should value souls as he valued them. Their sympathies should be with the work of their dear Redeemer and they should labor to save the purchase of his blood at any sacrifice. What are money, houses and lands in comparison with even one soul? Also, Signs of the Times, page um, February 27, 
1896 paragraph 6 says, The careless and the impenitent go on in their reckless course of disobedience and harden themselves in rebellion against God. But they do not consider the value of the human soul. The world redeemer was constantly seeking to lead men to a true appreciation of the value of the soul. He asked the question, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Our world sinks into insignificance in comparison with the soul. When Christ wept upon the Mount Olivet, he beheld with prophetic eye not only the loss of one's soul but the destruction of a nation." End of quote. And we are told in Review and Herald, March 17, 1903, paragraph 1, says, God's servants need a realization of the value of souls. Christ died for human beings. His sacrifice on the cross is the measure of their value in his sight. End of quote. Now, let us ask the question, how much are you willing to sacrifice, not for doing great evangelisms, but for just one soul? We need to review the way we do our things, and I'm speaking to leaders of churches and even individuals. Frequently, it is the case that I know that when evangelisms are done, if it is just one soul that is harvested, there is nothing done to keep that soul because, they say, it's not bringing enough tight. That church doesn't bring enough tight, close it down. Are you caring for tight or are you caring for people? I don't know what words I could use to describe this kind of behavior. But I just asked the question, are we caring? Is the church for making money or is the church for feeding the flock? I have seen cases where churches have been closed down just because the souls were few and they were not bringing in enough tight. And since they were not bringing in enough tight, they couldn't send pastors to them to preach to them. But look at the case of Philip. Philip was sent not to collect money from the Ethiopian eunuch. A great sacrifice was made to just save one soul. And what about our Lord Jesus? What was in it for him? How much did he gain in coming to die for us that we are judging whether to send a pastor to a church based on how much money is coming out from that church? May the Lord have mercy and help us to change this view. If you truly are a pastor, and you, I believe that this is a true test as to whether you were really called to this ministry or not. If you were really called to this ministry, if you are really a pastor, I, maybe I need an explanation, maybe I don't know everything. But then what is it that you are going to say that is the explanation for closing down a church that has souls in it, but because they are poor people who cannot give enough time to sustain the pastor, the church is closed down? I doubt there is any good explanation to that because we have the example of our Lord Jesus already. So what are we going to say is the reason for this? We need to learn that the soul is very precious and sacrifices are to be made to sustain the soul. And this also calls us to understand why it is necessary, of course, to sustain those who are doing the, that work. Because I know that there are hard situations that certain churches face and yes, it looks like, oh, this church cannot be sustained because there is no money coming in. But money can come from elsewhere. There is a way to go around these things. Should the poor not receive the gospel because they are poor? Sacrifices cannot be made for them because they don't have money. And then apart from that, sometimes time is spent in doing this work, a lot of resources and some people will say, oh no, it's too expensive, we cannot rent this place, we cannot use this house, we cannot use this amount of money or this equipment, why? It's too much. No, we must change that view. 
it is not too much there is see like we just read now the world a whole world sinks into insignificance in comparison with the soul so don't think that a soul is not worth that your money don't think that whatever money you are going to spend to save a soul is too much the whole world even if it was spent to save a soul is nothing because our lord jesus died on the cross even for one soul and jesus is the value of jesus is more than the universe the the the, the, the when jesus died on the cross the whole world itself was on that cross the value of the world is nothing in comparison to the blood of jesus and if the blood of jesus can be shed for anyone then we have to be ready when necessary to do whatever it takes to make whatever sacrifices of our time of our money of our resources for just one soul now after philip had preached the man said he believed in jesus and he was ready to be baptized in the book of acts 38 8 verse 38 to 40 it says and he commanded the chariots to stand still and they went down both into the water both philip and the eunuch and he baptized him and when they were come up out of the water the spirit of the lord caught away philip that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing and philip was found at azotus so here brings to us another thing that we have not really touched which is the issue of baptism you see when the ethiopian eunuch said that he believed the next thing was he wanted to baptize another lesson is here for us churches frequently when people want to baptize we tell them wait for this and that day the pastor is not available this ordained minister is not available i want to understand where this whole system came from what is it about baptism that needs a certain hand to do it I mean, Judas baptized people. Is it the hands that baptize that matters or that the person is baptizing? Which one? It is that the person is baptizing. That is what matters. And that is the reason why Philip did not have any scruples, even though he was not an apostle, to baptize this Ethiopian eunuch. He did not tell the Ethiopian eunuch, oh wait, I need to take you to Jerusalem first so that um, Peter will baptize you. He didn't do that. Right there and then, as a man said, I believe, what hinders me from being baptized? Did Philip quote to him that the Bible said, oh, it must be an ordained pastor or an ordained elder? I'm just simply asking questions. And if people ask questions, then I think reasonable answers should be given. Today, baptism is used as a trophy for pastors. Is that what the Bible teaches? that you should baptize people and write it down as to to your name and then say you did an evangelism and so this amount of people baptized so that you can now rise up in the echelon and then you are going to be among those who will be ordained it's now a trophy you see this system of things is what is spoiling god's church this man was ready to be baptized and philip baptized him immediately it's a very important lesson for us we need to think about these things sometimes people are hindered from being baptized the man asked what hindered me from being baptized is it your system is it your creed that is hindering people from being baptized i've heard of cases where people are saying oh let's wait till pentecost 2020 this and 2020 that then we'll gather everybody and baptize them during that program what are you waiting for if someone is ready to baptize right now he should baptize right now you don't need to wait for any saturday or sunday if it is on tuesday if there's water baptize the person if it is on monday baptize the person they don't need to be all this system of things that is clogging the machinery of the lord and stopping people from receiving the blessings that god has prepared for them the hand of man is clogging the wheel 
the hand of man is clogging the machinery so that people are not getting the blessings that the Lord has reserved for them. Then again, the lesson of baptism and its significance is very important. How baptism is done matters a lot. As we read concerning the Ethiopian eunuch, he went into the water and then they came two words are written there in Acts 8 verse 39, up out of the water. We have just one system of baptism and that's found in the book of Ephesians 4 verse 4 and 5 as the information. It says, there is one body, one spirit, uh, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Today, there are various kinds. People dip people in water three times. Others will just sprinkle water on the head. They even baptize babies these days. Some will even use a pipe and bring water out of the pipe and spray people and say they are baptized. There are those who will take flowers and pour on people and say, oh, you are baptized in the name of Jesus. All manner of things happen. But the Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 5 that there is only one baptism and it has its significance. So let us understand the significance of baptism before we understand why it is done the way it is done. In the book of Romans 6 verse 1, we are told, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are baptized with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. So, from what we have read, baptism means that you are dying and that death symbolizes death to your former life of sin so that as it says here in verse 4 as christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of father we should also raise be raised up into newness of life so when one is baptizing he has to symbolize something that he is dying and then when he's um, when the, when he's rising up it represents it, it represents coming up into a newness of life. Now, how many times is this thing to be done? We have already read there's just one baptism, but how many times? It says in verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. But then, going further, still here in Romans chapter 6 reading from verse 8 we are told about how many times this happened concerning I mean if you know if you are dipping somebody in water how many times you need to dip the person in water there in verse 8 it says now if we be dead with Christ we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ being raised from the dead died no more death had no more dominion over him for in that he died he died unto sin once so remember that baptism represents dying unto sin how many times once so from what we have seen it is clear that baptism must symbolize dipping someone into water and then person coming up and it's done only once and that's the reason why concerning the ethiopian eunuch we read that they went into the water and came up out for them to come up that means they went down and then to come out means they left the water this is the reason why there needs to be plenty water in the place where baptism is done. John 3 verse 22 and 23, okay, verse 23 says, And John was baptizing in Anion near to Salim because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. So there we see there was much water. And also the 
baptism was done by immersion. For example, the baptism of Jesus also is like that of the Ethiopian eunuch. Mark chapter 1 verse 9 and 10 says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open. So how did he went in down before he now came up? out of the water and it is symbolic of going down means the death to sin and coming up means resurrection to newness of life and then they come out of that river you know john was also baptizing in the river jordan they were not baptizing with sprinkling he didn't need to go to the river jordan if it was just sprinkling he just needed to get a bottle of water if it was just sprinkling and sprinkle it on people just a keg is enough but he was in jordan because there was they were doing it by immersion and it's a very important thing that we should think about this matter the bible says in the book of Mark 16 16 he that believeth and is baptized will be saved he and he that believeth not is damned baptism is a very important thing to do to show that you believe in Jesus and you are confessing him if we really love him it's not something we are going to be ashamed of it's not something that we'll run away from we'll be we'll want to confess it to the world and baptism is a way to do that so brothers and sisters the lessons we have learned today I know they are numerous we have learned a few uh, a good number of things that we need to look at in our own lives and our churches and see where changes need to be made. As deacons, remember that your work is not just to be serving tables, but you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to be honest. You need not to be a joker, but a grave person and so with your wives. And also, God needs laborers. We shouldn't feel that we are wasting our time or that too much money is spent for one soul. God is ready to do a lot for just one soul and we should make ourselves available for the same thing. Then we need to review this matter of how much money is spent in evangelism, whether you send pastors to people to preach, them, preach to them and do not make money a criteria for not preaching to people. Be ready to give a lot. And then in the matter of baptizing people and how baptism is done, the Lord has taught us these things need to be reviewed we need to baptize the right way and when people are ready for baptism do not delay them baptize immediately they are ready just like the ethiopian was ready may the lord give us the grace to consider these things properly and do as the lord as the lord leads us through his word and by his spirit let us pray thank you dear father for these lessons there's a lot that we need to learn and a lot to change in our lives. Some of us need to rise up. I commit the deacons unto your care in various churches. As we have heard these words, Lord, I know that our hearts will be stirred up to realize our incapabilities. I pray, Father, that if there's any such one listening, that you will help and equip that person. Strengthen them that they may be not mere deacons today, but like Stephen and like Philip. Who will be honest and do the work of God faithfully and purchase to themselves the kingdom of God through this work and help us Lord that we will be ready to spend for one soul as you were able to make a sacrifice for our own souls help us Lord not to hesitate to make sacrifices for just one soul thank you Lord for hearing our prayers and answering in Jesus name I've prayed amen <music>